Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another installment of Fictional Women Around the World, a sub-segment of our ongoing segment, (laughs) Women Around the World. And last time we focused on Abby from The Last of Us 2. And yes, this time we are going to focus on the other side of her, or the same side, as my friend likes to say very loudly, Ellie from The Last of Us 1 and 2. So there will be spoilers, but again, I feel like at this point, I've spoiled it for yeah. everybody who's listening. <laughs> yeah. I think if you have not played or know about it, but you've listened to any of our video games, women, yeah. assassins, any of those character ones, you already know. So, sorry. Yes. But not Sorry. Sorry. Well, here's your warning now, just in case. (laughs) And yeah, there has been a lot of uh, news about the casting of the show, the HBO series, and Bella Ramsey has been cast as uh, young Ellie, which I got in my head thinking about this, about how I've spoiled the show. Because before that, I was like, people don't play the game, like, you know, whatever. But now that there's going to be a show, I might have done spoiled that for you. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking too, like, I'm really bad about if I read a book, before yeah. a movie and when it changes I'm really pissed off so I'm really yeah. kind of scared that I'm going to be really angry with the show since I already yeah. know all of these things you didn't spoil it for me because I actually watched you play it right. so, or actually watched my partner play it while you watched him it was weird <laughs> it's a strange time <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm really really interested in how people are going to react I have heard the creators say that it's going to deviate storyline wise in some ways so who knows but I imagine this is like, I, I have a couple of good friends who when Game of Thrones, like the Haiti of Game of Thrones, I would just see them get this look of like, cool, trying not to react. And I'd be like, oh, I can't wait for the next episode. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. And then it's the Red Wedding or whatever. <laughs> and I'm imagining like, I, maybe this will be my time to have that experience. Yeah, honestly, though, again, I, I keep talking about the fact that I'm one for... I need you to spoil things for me in that mm-hmm. if it's going to be bad, I need that warning because yeah. I will hate you and hate it without that warning. And so when I got the spoiler about the Red Wedding, yeah, I was at least prepared because I would have been distraught. Like, I think I would have been destroyed. And then I only came back when I was spoiled that Joffrey was going to die. Like, <laughs> I stopped <laughs> watching it because of that. Yeah. And then I found out that he was going to die. I was like, okay, I can continue on then. So for some, maybe it's a good thing. It could be. It could be. And I I think I brought this up in the Abby one, but I remember when people were like, oh, Pedro Pascal is going to be in it. Um, He's in everything right now. And I was like, oh, you know, when somebody gets really popular in a show like Mandalorian, they show up in everything for a while. It was the same with Game of Thrones. And I totally forgot he was in Game of Thrones. (laughs) And he died brutally. That was not fun. I was real upset about that one. Mm -hmm. Like everyone was. Yeah. Oh, God, it was so frustrating. Years later, yeah, the pain. Still. Still. <laughs> still. And yeah, I'm going to put in here a campaign to play Abby in the show, but I, I would love to play Ellie too. I think we have similar experiences. I'm queer. I've gone through trauma. Had a similar relationship with my dad. Plus, I love her and I'm ready. So get in touch. I was like texting my friend about like, we got to get in the show. And she said, yes, we could be zombies. And I was like, I'm aiming higher. <laughs> but I would take a zombie too. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back and see if you and Bella Ramsey look similar to each other. Yeah, that's true. 
That whole deep fake thing, it was good of them in the game, but it freaked me out. Deep fakes in general freak me out. Yeah, but... me too. I don't, I don't love them. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that to me. But yes, and I, I will accept any... Yeah, you do look like you should play Ellie uh, notes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I know I've talked about these games several times on the show, so I have a very short synopsis. There's zombies. It's incurable. It's a violent dying world. You meet Ellie. She's a 14-year-old orphan who's been taken in by the head of this organization called the Fireflies and the leader. Her name is Marlene. It turns out Ellie is immune, and as Joel, the character you're playing, transports her across the country to deliver her to the Fireflies to make a vaccine, they bond, of course, despite his gruff, resistant nature. You play as Ellie for one portion of the game for one season because it's split into seasons, and she is the primary protagonist of the DLC, the downloadable content um, left behind, and is the main protagonist I would say, but I guess you could debate me on that one in The Last of Us 2. <laughs> There's also a comic book about her, uh, American Dream. And Ellie is voiced and motion captured by Ashley Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yes, who I know from The Avengers, but I know was in a- another thing. She's a child, child. star. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I know her. And her voice is very distinct. Like, it hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. So the minute I heard her, I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> I know this voice. Yes. <laughs> she does have a very distinct distinct voice. So when this game first came out in 2013, it was a huge critical success. Like, it is the reason I bought a PlayStation 3. At the time, for people like me who'd grown up playing video games, and in particular role-playing games, Ellie was a breath of fresh air. She was funny, sarcastic, curious, competent, and brave, had the mouth of a sailor. She subverts that innocent, quiet young girl we've discussed before, which is something she absolutely uses and shapes against. She'll, she'll like, manipulate people's perception of that. And she's very deadly and good with all kinds of weapons. Though in the first one, she's a scrawny kid who hasn't had a lot of experience, so she has to rely a lot on stealth. She does save Joel on more than one occasion, who uh, we see her kill her first non-infected person to save Joel. And then all the lengths she goes to, including taking on infected and cannibals to heal him later. She's not great with authority. She can be reckless and impulsive. Definitely struggling with PTSD and survivor's guilt. One of her lines at the end is, I'm still waiting my turn because she got bitten and never turned. Mm -hmm. She wanted her life to mean something and she later claimed she was ready to die for the vaccine. She wanted to save the world and Joel took that from her and doomed the world instead. (laughs) Um, And this character was very well received too when she came out, which again, generally women in games aren't. (laughs) You think is that because she was a child and a preteen? I think so, and I think she, because she depended on the male character largely for protection. Right. Yes, I totally think so. Not for women, but for dudes. Right, for for really, the dudes. The doodles, as you told me. (laughs) The the doodles, I love that word. So that love did change with the second one when she was darker, harsher, and more brutal. We will talk about that in a second. But in the first one, there's one character in particular, David, who really traumatizes her. He's implied to be a pedophile, and he tries to get her to join him, treating her as the sweet young girl. He uses a patronizing voice. He calls her out when she curses, like it's not becoming of her. And uh, when he realizes Ellie is not going to go along with him and with this cannibal community, after many, many signals, including like biting and breaking his finger... He stalks her and tries to kill her. She violently murders David, and this is when most of what was left of her innocence is destroyed. You see it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few games where 
you actually see in the next part of the game, in the next section, she's like visibly distraught and distant. And it's a betrayal too, because she did trust David for a minute. Like she trusted Joel, who also ended up betraying her. We don't know much about Ellie's parents other than that they're dead. She's queer. According to the creative director, she's a lesbian. And she is the first gay star of any blockbuster game. And her first relationship was a little before the game started with her best friend, Riley, who is a young girl. And very tragic, as you might imagine what happened there. Ellie grew up at kind of a military prep school in Boston's quarantine zone and has never been outside of a quarantine zone until the first game. So she's really curious about the outside world and what things were like before the zombie outbreak. She does have kind of that innocent curiosity in that way. At one point, she asked why people used to try to be thin. Like, that idea makes no sense to right. her. <laughs> and there's a really beautiful scene of her playing an arcade game in her imagination or going to space in her imagination. She wants to be an astronaut when she grows up, when she sees giraffes for the first time. You see those instances of childlike wonder. She has a book of puns, which I love, and you can get <laughs> her to tell puns. She collects comics. She likes music and drawing. Eventually, Joel teaches her how to play the guitar. All these points of like innocence and normalcy in this real messed up world that she's coming of age in. She does admit to not believing in God or religion and that the thing she is most afraid of is being alone, which breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. So moving on to the second game, Ellie, like we talked about with Abby, is one of the best when it comes to surviving and fighting infected, though she is still more reliant on stealth and her superpower of being immune, which does come in handy. Her reflexes are really quick. There's one part where someone goes to stab her and she catches her wrist and stops her and then rests the blade away. It was really impressive. And then very, very, very gruesome. At 19, she is much more subdued and mature in this one. But there are pieces of her humor that still shine through. Designers went out of their way to give her eyes, quote, somberness in this one. She hides her bite mark, which would reveal her immunity with a tattoo. And there is a tension between her and Joel. Though he has taught her to play guitar as promised, how to swim. She starts dating Dina. And that's one of my favorite lines when Ellie says, I'm just a girl. And Dina says, oh, Ellie, they should be terrified of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and after a traumatic event, Dina and Ellie travel the country to find Abby and get revenge. Ellie was determined to go, despite not having any backup, any resources, and also having no idea what they were going up against. She is absolutely persistent and single-minded. I, again, I feel like we could be talking about Abby. <laughs> she gets majorly injured and keeps going more than once. She destroys an entire camp of cannibals single-handedly after being impaled by a tree. And yeah, she's, uh, she's traumatized. So again, I think this is a case of grief being so new. She was consumed by it and she chooses revenge over living people she loves on more than one occasion. But that does change as time goes on. Now that her purpose was taken from her, saving the world with a vaccine, getting revenge for Joel replaces that void. Her tattoo as a moth is meant to symbolize this obsession and being drawn to that light, um, just kind of mindlessly following it. The pursuit kind of destroys the happiness she, she created and it taints her happy memories. Abby spared Ellie. Ellie spared Abby. After realizing what Abby realized, revenge isn't going to help you in healing your pain. I remember I got this game in the mail. The image on the cover, her face is terrifying. It is a terrifying embodiment of female rage and revenge. When I first got it, I was like, oh, f 
<laughs> this is going to hurt. And on the back, it says something like, get ready for a brutal landscape of devastating. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> also, while researching this episode, I just read the straight plot of the second one, just like a straight synopsis. And I was like, God, this game is so sad. <laughs> it is so sad. Neil Druckmann, the creator, said, I landed on this emotional idea of can we, over the course of the game, make you feel this intense hate that is universal in the same way that unconditional love is universal. And I have to say, the headlines in reviews for this game are hilarious. They're like, be prepared to be punched in the face continually. Or like, <laughs> You're going to vomit or you'll be so sad. Oh. Yeah, and I felt a lot of camaraderie with people who who wrote that they cried for hours in these reviews or that it changed them. Uh, apparently, the story was so dark, some of the creative team actually protested. Yes, and I can attest to the crying loudly, even playing number yes. three times, like the third time round. <laughs> third time round? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people really did not like seeing Ellie this way, the way she was in the second one. They didn't like that she was the main character, like we were talking about. They didn't like the things that she did and didn't do in her quest for revenge. That's one of the things that gets me the most, is people were like, don't do it, Ellie, don't do it. And then at the end, they're mad that she doesn't do it. Right. <laughs> and I would argue you're not... Again, you're not supposed to feel great after this game. You're not supposed to feel great about the things that Ellie has done. <laughs> Some also didn't like she was gay. According to the actor Johnson, even after the kiss in 2014's Left Behind between Ellie and Riley, um, fans would come up to her and be like, but she's not gay, right? In the second one, Ellie is confronted with homophobia. Johnson said, I'm an incredibly private person, but when I do get to talk with people about this game, especially fans who are younger and figuring themselves out, I'm oftentimes just reduced to a puddle of tears. I've met teenagers who played the first game and left behind and said that it helped them feel comfortable coming out. It's gone so far past just being a game for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I did want to include this. So from time... Last year, the website Feminist Frequency found that the number of video games with female protagonists at the E3 Expo, the premier video game expo, was lower in 2019 than it was in 2015 when the hashtag Gamergate movement caught fire. Wow. So, yeah, that's bad. That's so bad. Why did it change? I don't know. I mean, I would imagine Gamergate does have something to do with it and kind of a backlash against what people see as, you know, social justice warrior. Right. And then the new stats that there are now more women playing games yeah. than men. But that head number has gone down for actual protagonists. That's absurd. It is. It absolutely is. And this is, you know, when, when we talk about this game as we have and the backlash against it, like, we just have this world is still so, the gaming world is still so toxic in a lot of ways and has a lot. But this game has now won so many awards. More than any other game. Yeah. So kudos to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's my story of Ellie. I promise I will step away from The Last of Us video games for the next one. Are you? Because I thought you had a setup with your friend Katie <laughs> to return to it so both of you can hate each other. <laughs> Don't I sound like a wonderful friend? <laughs> there are other characters I want to return to, but I'll I'll take a break. I'll take a break for now. All right, all right, all right. All right. Well, 
In the meantime, listeners, if you have any suggestions for fictional women we should cover, please email them to us. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 